Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's, or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader, audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. This looks to be a bullyabase episode of OTB in that I want to jump around a little bit. What I hope to hit before we reach the finish line is a reason to believe that while the world has caught up with the U.S. when it comes to international competition in basketball, there are reasons to believe they actually will never catch us. And by us, I mean the U.S. I always get a little queasy when someone uses some form of the pronoun we when talking about their team, if they don't happen to actually play for it or work for it. But in this case, I'm using it because I'm an American, and Team USA represented me, and did so particularly well, I might add, which I appreciated. I also want to touch on the beef between Kendrick Perkins and certain members of Team USA and what it reveals about the shift in what is considered success in the media today. Finally, I hope to look at Damian Lillard and where he finds himself at the moment, a gold medal winner despite struggling in the tournament, an artist putting out yet another album, and a Portland trailblazer who is weighing whether he can achieve all of his goals remaining in Portland. But let's start with Team USA defeating France 87-82 for the program's fourth straight gold medal and completing a comeback from an opening game loss in group play to that same French team. I detailed in that first game the extraordinary set of events that had to happen for France to win, and how I did not expect that extraordinary set of events to repeat itself. Meaning, 
I did not expect them to lose to France again, should they meet. I get the sense that we, as fans, are now coming to terms with a new, more realistic bar for Team USA. Not just fans, but media as well. Or at least some, if not most, media. The old bar was win by 20 or more and never have our supremacy questioned, no matter who might be on the roster or how much time that roster had to prepare. If they were NBA players, they were supposed to dominate, damn it. The fallaciousness of that thinking appears to have landed. COVID pushed back the NBA season, which affected not only the players willing to jump right into Olympic competition, but squeezed the time Team USA officials had to select and prepare a team. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. That's where media questioning how Coach Greg Popovich approached the first couple of exhibition games or his ability to coach the team exposed those media members' naivete, inexperience, and I'd say fan-like impatience. Under the circumstances, it was far smarter for Pop to figure out who to play and who to play with whom rather than worry about his exhibition win-loss record. And yes, for anybody listening to OTB for the first time, I talked about the value of doing that at the time, not just now that it proved to be the right approach. By the way, anybody know Bill Belichick's preseason record coaching the Patriots? Or Phil Jackson's coaching the Bulls? Does anybody care? I also thought it was insulting to suggest Pop was forcing San Antonio's sets on Team USA, as if those sets are dramatically different from the basic tenets that almost every NBA team's sets are based on. I read somewhere that players were overheard muttering early on about having to play San Antonio's sets. And either that was a figment of someone's imagination, or the players that said it were complaining just to complain. San Antonio doesn't run the triangle or a flex offense or some system requiring Team USA members to learn a new language. Besides, the Spurs sets have evolved over the years several times over. I'm not even sure what the Spurs system actually would mean. Today's offense, the Spurs offense, is not anything like the sets they ran during Tim Duncan's tenure. The idea that Pop would force-feed a system to a group of NBA stars just because it's the San Antonio way is insulting. He's already proven over the years he can adapt to talent with different strengths. From Tim, to Tony Parker, to Mono Ginobili, to LaMarcus Aldridge, to DeMar DeRozan. It's kind of funny. You'd think that our status as a powerhouse in international basketball is on the brink of collapse based on how this year's early coverage portrayed Team USA's play. While the gap has clearly narrowed, I wonder now whether a foreign team will ever supplant the USA as the quadrennial favorite because their best players are now more likely than ever to spend most of their time playing in the NBA, a wholly different game than the international one. Take a look at the one team that actually broke the chain of USA gold medals 
in the Olympics since the Dream Team was formed in 1992. That would be the 2004 Argentina team. Yes, its MVP was Ginobili, who had just finished his second season with the Spurs and already had an NBA ring to show for it from his first year. But the Argentine bigs, Fabricio Alberto and Luis Scola, to name two, had not yet matriculated to the NBA. They were still fully immersed in playing international-style basketball year-round, making them right at home in the Olympics. It's not as if they lost that understanding or those particular skills once they joined NBA teams, but they also weren't fine-tuning them year-round. We haven't been as dominant in World Cup tournaments, but some of that is because it just doesn't carry the same meaning for NBA players or for American basketball fans in general. So the top players have been more reluctant to participate, opening the door for Spain to win two of the last four titles. Even there, look at the bigs for Spain when they won in 2006. Marc Gasol was still playing in Spain, as were their two other bigs, Felipe Reyes and Jorge Garbajosa. Only Pau Gasol had moved to the NBA and he was still in Memphis. Greece, which knocked out Team USA in the semifinals, didn't have a single NBA player on the roster. And the best bigs on their current squad are the Antetokounmpo brothers, Giannis and Kostas. My point being, while familiarity with the NBA and NBA stars has taken away the intimidation factor we once enjoyed, it has come because the best players from other countries are playing in the NBA and realizing they can count themselves among the best players in the world too. But that means they have spent their time adapting to the NBA style of play that is incongruous to how the international game is played. It also means they're enjoying the stardom and dividends, financial and otherwise, that the NBA offers. Where once the only place they could prove themselves capable of competing against the likes of America's best players was an international competition, now it's merely an adjunct. Rudy Gobert as a two-time Defensive Player of the Year and All-Star came into the Olympics having already proved he's an elite player. Whereas Marc Gasol and Luis Scola and the others I mentioned earlier had not. Team USA also had a much better feel for Gobert's strengths and weaknesses than they might have if they hadn't played against him on a regular basis. And I'd argue that knowing what Kevin Durant or Jason Tatum or Damian Lillard can do, having faced them on a regular basis in the NBA, still puts international players on edge when having to face them in international competition, even with national pride on the line. Continuity, preparation, and carefully selected rosters are going to matter going forward for Team USA. There's no doubt about that. If anything has been established, it's that we can't just throw together a team of whoever is willing to go, jump on a plane, and be a lock to come out on top. But as more and more of the best international talent in the world sets its sights on making it to the NBA, and developing skills that are more in line with how the NBA plays basketball, I can't help but feel as if the advantage for other countries is going to be diluted. We shall see. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The other item I want to hit is about Lillard. And yes, I'm skipping over the perk question. Lillard was relatively quiet in both the semifinal win over Australia and the gold medal win over France. Five points in 17 minutes against the Aussies, and 11 points on 11 shots versus France, with a total of four assists and three turnovers in the two games combined. France paid him the respect of putting Nicolas Batum on him, and he struggled with the size difference, as we've seen before, even in NBA competition and especially since there was no way to create space for him to attack Batum off the dribble with international play not using the defensive three-second rule and the purpose of the team not being to simply feature Lillard. He had to defer to Drew Holiday's playmaking, Holiday being bigger and stronger, which made Lillard essentially a floor spacer, a far different role than he plays with the Blazers. Lillard, of course, has made it known that he's questioning if he can achieve his goal of competing for a title staying in Portland. It's a fair question, and I would not begrudge him if he decided to go elsewhere. But the reality is that there's an added challenge in building a championship-caliber team around Lillard as its main cog. His lack of size demands that he have a big defensive guard like Klay Thompson, and a playmaking small forward like Draymond Green next to him. In much the same way, Steph Curry needed them. Also needs a solid defensive team around him, as Steph Curry needed. I consider him every bit the clutch scorer and leader that Steph is, but he's not KD or LeBron or Giannis. That's just reality. He's not the matchup nightmare in the same way that they are. As for the Blazers moving on from him, unless they're forced to do so, well, that's absolute insanity. I saw someone suggest, and I'm not going to say who, because he's a friend of mine. I saw someone suggest that trading him for Ben Simmons would make sense for the Blazers, which is laughable. Lillard's leadership, his marketability, his character... It makes no more sense than the Warriors moving on from Curry. Take a step back and consider what Lillard has made of himself, especially in comparison to Simmons. Lillard needed four years at Weber State to make himself into a lottery pick, 
and yet he did. And then he beat out Anthony Davis and Bradley Beal, both drafted ahead of him for Rookie of the Year. At 6'2 and 195 pounds, he's a six-time All-Star and five-time All-NBA first or second teamer. And he's now, or has on his resume, he was a starter and one of the leaders of a gold medal winning Olympic squad. An NBA championship would undoubtedly elevate him to another level. But it's not as if he hasn't distinguished himself already as one of the best point guards of his era. For five of the last six years, he's been among the top eight players in the entire league in the MVP race, doing it all for a small market team that generally has had to overpay or get creative to get top free agents to join him. As far as I'm concerned, he doesn't have to do anything more to cement himself as one of the league's phenomenal success stories. I'm sure he has more that he wants to prove, but for me, he's already climbed more mountains than anyone would have ever predicted or expected. I'm not about to discount what he's done if he never has a championship ring to show for it. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. I wasn't able to get to Kendrick Perkins and the beef between him and Draymond Green and Kevin Durant about his dire predictions concerning Team USA, but I will tackle that in the next podcast. Please don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your episodes. I also promised that I would dive into what the Bulls and Knicks did this offseason and where it places them going into next season and that is still on the way as well. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.